Welcome to the Business Trendsetter Podcast, where we teach you all about trends and how to use them to grow your business. My name is Manny Turan. And I'm Adam Hartung. And we are Spark Partners. Pleased to be here. If you have any questions and thoughts on how you can grow your business using trends, by all means, follow our podcast, go to our website, uh, spend some time there to learn all about our courses. And uh, speaking of courses, Adam, I want to uh, show you something here. This is my glorious, uh, for those that are listening, you can't see me. I'm holding up my University of Arizona degree in mechanical engineering. And so I was not the, the best student. I was the kind of student that uh, school was sort of something I had to kind of get through. I, I was very smart. I'm very smart, but when I was a kid, I was very smart to the point where I would never study. And I, I just roll up to the, te- the test day, take the test, and would always get uh, mainly B's, some A's and some C's. And I did that throughout basically my entire career. I was very curious and still am. Uh, but for me, the traditional way of the, uh, the whole structure of education was was not for me but having uh been raised in a family where i was the first to go to college there was a certain amount of pressure for me to go through and get this uh expensive piece of paper here but having said that and looking at the way that things are now where people are taking classes on their phone people are logging into these uh these sort of um user forums and I mean you can learn an entire language by spending time on YouTube so I want to bring that to the conversation Adam because really the uh, you know the world's oldest university is uh, uh, University of Bologna and Oxford and all these old school you know built in uh, 1096 and uh, I mean it's a very traditional way of thinking or uh, of teaching and here we are now 2022 let's talk about that Adam <laughs> well, things have changed a lot since the days of education back with uh, with Plato, or as you said, you know, the University of Bologna, or uh, today if you go to Oxford. In those educational environments, effectively, you showed up and you talked to a professor. Uh, it was discourses, education by discourse. In fact, the term for it in Greek was Sophrosyne, and they made it. Uh, the Greek government leaders made it against the law because they feared an education populace. Um, but that changed over time, as you know, until we get to the modern academic approach used in America, let's be specific, where it's uh, gather a bunch of children, sit them in a room, and have them repeat exercises. So we have what we call standardized curriculum, we have standardized teaching methods, and we have standardized testing. So when you say, for example, was Manny smart or was Manny not smart, the, the, what we know is how well Manny performed on these standardized uh, approaches which tend to be very, very favorable for people that have good memories, very favorable to people that can memorize well, um, and also favorable to people that can um, exert a certain amount of mathematically oriented logic mechanisms, right? They, that, that's what they favor. So um, I, I, it's like yourself, I grew up in a very small area. Uh, I was sort of at the top of my class, and uh, but the competition wasn't all that intense, let's be honest. There was, 125 of my graduating class, 115 of us started kindergarten together, uh, inbred, you know, and, and the, of the 125 of us that graduated, I mean, maybe, I don't know, a dozen went to college or something like that. So competition was not real intense on my end. Uh, we were the lowest rated school district in the state. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't, the, the fact that I did well in that particular academic environment 
I don't think it showed whether I was smart or not smart. But what it does show, I think what we're trying to get at here, is that the modern approach to education is almost militaristic. It is do it my way, you know, and there's one way to do it. And I've been struck by how bad that is for a long time. And I say this, my, my, I grew up in an agrarian economy, but the farm didn't pay off. My father ended up getting a master's degree in education. He was a, a principal and he was a school teacher. My oldest sister has a PhD in education. She was a school teacher and university professor. Her husband has a PhD in education. So I've been around people, school teachers my whole life, right? And uh, they have a dogma. I mean, they really have a dogma about what they think needs to happen. Their dogma is that everybody needs to go to a classroom. And uh, as my father used to say, you want them of all types. You want the dumb ones and the smart ones in the room at the same time. Remember, he was born in 1912, so he had a different way of talking than we would today, that's for sure. But he thought, okay, you need everybody in the classroom together. Don't separate out people by their performance rates. Um, they should be there every day, as many days as you could get them in class. The more days in class, the better. And the, there was always a fight between, the, the, in his opinion, the parents who wanted children to be in school as little as possible because they wanted them working on the farm, and the teachers who wanted them as most on, on the, in school because they thought that was beneficial. But it's still to this day, you know, if you, if you talk to people in the educational system, they prefer 12-month-a-year education. They're in 65 days. You know, don't, don't take these summers off. That makes no sense to them. How many days can we get them in school? And then, again, it's back to who, did, who wrote the curriculum? You know, is it an approved curriculum? Has the curriculum been approved by some university? Has it been approved by the State Board of Education? Has it been approved by the um, local Board of Education? So we want to, and then, you know, how we're going to teach them is we're going to make them sit in a classroom a certain number of hours a day, and there's going to be, you know, a, a formatted uh, approach, and then we're going to test them. And the tests are going to be standardized in each state so that everybody takes the same test, and that's going to be how we're going to figure out, you know, who's a good student, who's not a good student. Obviously, <laughs> this is just plain stupidity. Um, and, and, and the only people who love this are the teachers. And so I'm really kind of struck by this, you know. And then the teachers complain all the time, too. And then you have this war that's the never-ending war between the parents and the school boards and the teachers. Well, what we ought to do is sit down and realize that the trends in the modern world have made it possible for us to look at education in an entirely different way. We don't have to put everybody in a classroom. We've now we've had the technology for a long time that people can be educated at home, or they could have a combination of go into the school, meet with the teacher, come back and do homework. I mean, when you and I were in college, Manny, we, that was the way college was, right? You you went to class for an hour, you did two or three hours of homework. If you couldn't really get your head around it, you tried to go see the prof and get some information. We now learned we could take that down all the way down to you know, younger children. And educate them that way. You don't need everybody sitting in the classroom together all the time. But of course, teachers are fearful of losing their jobs. Now, in the old days, all this you know, teacher stands in front of the classroom and bickers at the kids for a while, <laughs> tells them what to do. And you know, when the day's over, the day's over. This new approach now, where you've got to do a lot more attention to, to planning lessons and individualized education instead of feeding everybody the same macaroni and cheese. You're going to start individualizing it so that some kids can go faster than other kids in different classrooms. This is all much more work for the teachers, so they don't like it. They don't like having to do the, the, in, the doing the in-class and doing the at-home. That feels to them too much like they're having to do tutoring. So the reality is, is that the educational system, in my opinion, reflects something that's 100 years old, back around 1900 when they were trying to figure out how to educate everybody, back when, you know, 1900, coming out of the Civil War, a lot of people didn't go to school. Right, coming out of the Civil War. 
and my mother she went to the made it through the eighth grade and that was it she had 13 brothers and sisters not one of them went one day more than the eighth grade and i think there was a couple of them that didn't make it that far at least and so you know they started saying around you know about 1900 coming into the great depression let's try to get everybody in a classroom let's get everybody educated so they systematized it but man that was the technology of then not the technology of now i think we could think about doing this in an entirely different way now what we're seeing right now is that COVID has made it such that these these issues of how well we teach and, and how people learn are coming really to the fore. And there's big fights right now. Should students be in the classroom? Should they not be in the classroom? Oh my goodness! We got Democrats yelling. We got Republicans yelling. We got doctors yelling. We got teachers yelling. We got school boards yelling. We got preachers yelling. Everybody's got a, yeah. If everybody's got an opinion about this, why don't you sit down and look at the reality? You know, instead of making it a political war, the reality is. It's obviously better the more the more you can let somebody learn at their rate, the more you can appeal to them. Lord knows, Manny, you know, what you could have done in the first 12 years of your education if you were not sitting in the same classroom with the same kids doing the same material day after day after day, right? What if you'd had more individualized instruction? You know, you might have discovered that your mathematical capabilities far in excess of the average kid in the town you live. I mean, I know that's got to be true because of your degree. You know, you, you got into engineering. Well, the, you know, the average person doesn't like math enough to go into an engineering program. They, they find the math to be something that doesn't interest them enough. So what if somebody had come to you with, you know, teaching advanced math and teaching some of the concepts of engineering at a much younger age? You know, you might have really loved school at that point, you know, and you might have taken it. You never know what, what could have happened. So I guess I want to keep back to is today I think we need to look at technology and realize that what's happening in terms of our desire and the trends are what's going to drive it. And the, and the two big trends, we've been talking about these since we started the pandemic, are mobile and asynchronous. Okay? We got mobile, everybody's mobile, and we can do this stuff asynchronously. When you say put everybody in a classroom, you've done away with mobile and you've done away with asynchronously. And then when you say the person at the front of the classroom is required by state law to have a teaching certificate, we've done away with the gig economy and what could happen to gig workers that could be very influential and helpful in teaching people alone. So three of our big trends right there are being ignored in this big fight. Then the last one, which is artificial intelligence, has the most promise of all because rather than standardized testing, AI would let Manny every week take a few tests, you know, let's figure out what's going well, it's not going well for Adam, let's figure out what's not going well for Manny. And then we could have machines that could come back and say, hey, let's put a little more energy into this educational element for Manny. Let's put it into that educational element for Adam. And so the machines could t be telling us how to move students through the program to get a well-rounded education. Our four big trends are telling us what works. And if we just do what works in today's world, we're going to all be a lot happier. It's very true. A good uh, sort of um, substance there to support your argument is my grandmother turned 90 this past week. And I went down to visit her. She's amazing. She's uh, in good health. And she got a second grade education. Yeah. Back in the day, right? She was on border town. She was born in, in the U.S., but uh, then she went quickly as, a, as an infant to Mexico. She never knew she was a U.S. citizen until she went. Uh, her She's actually a twin, and her twin was getting married, and they were going through the paperwork, and they said, well, you don't need any of this. You're a U.S. citizen. And she <laughs> said, well, what? 
<laughs> but the whole moral here is that she went she had a second grade education and she was able to create several businesses she had a very successful restaurant that was even asked to go feed the white house they flew my grandmother my mother my aunt and my grandfather a few others with all the equipment and the food and the ingredients they flew them to washington dc and they cooked for uh senator DeConcini and a lot of the senators they were wow. that good wow so she did this with a second grade education and then she went and built a steakhouse that she then sold and so the, the point being here is that, yes, you're absolutely right. The, the way things have been done uh, are no longer serving us. And I know that that's kind of a very charged opinion because there's a lot of teachers out there. There's teachers unions. There's the school board. Uh, and there's, I think there's, a re there's a reason that they are protective of what they're doing because they've, they've had to protect over the past, you know, 80 years, right? They, they've had to, to really climb that, that, that ladder, so to speak. And here they are. And once again, you're getting this giant thing come into play with respect to asynchronous uh, and, and mobility and all the other things you just mentioned. Uh, and so for sure, something needs to change. You know, one of the things is I always say, look at demand, look at sales, follow sales. If you follow the demand, you will be successful. Well, in education, we had the rules rather than demand. A parent couldn't decide if the kid was going to go to school because most states require somebody to go to school until at least 16. So you have forced system. They force the kids to go to school. The parents have very little say. You know, very parents don't get to choose which teacher their child gets when they're in public school. The only way they get a voice is they have to go to private school, which is just unaffordable for the vast majority of people. So you have no choice about what you're doing. But as soon as you decide to do post-secondary education, you have a voice. Now you have a demand matrix that you can start to look at. And we know that 15 years ago, it became quite clear that people were opting with their feet how they wanted to deal with post-secondary education. I can remember when every town of 15,000 people more had a small college in it. You know, it could be a small Bible college. Yeah, it could be a small junior college. And that's not true anymore, right? Most of those, especially the four-year colleges, the private four-year colleges, just got wiped off the planet more than 10 years ago. And then we went, like I said, to the um, uh, what's going to be the impact on the state colleges. And we started to see you know, a change in that people would opt to go in. Some people would pick, say, I want to go to, the, to a university where I want to move there and live there. Like to say the University uh, of, of Illinois, you know, University of Illinois, Champaign Urbana. There's nothing there but a college. Certain people pick. I'm going to go there and go to that college. And I'm going to sit in on those classes. But that number got smaller every year as the University of Phoenix grew, right? And we saw Southern New Hampshire University grow. And these, but so while we've got colleges that are struggling to get students, and they're constantly talking about cost of acquisition, cost to get students into the classroom, what was happening was there was really big growth happening in the education where people could go to education using mobile tools and teach and learn in an asynchronous manner, right? And so we know we started to see that demand build up. And then, of course, as we got into the pandemic, the universities started to, uh, they had to close. They didn't have a choice, many of them. What are we seeing now? In, in 2020, we saw a decline in, in uh, applications to attend four-year colleges, about 6% decline. You can't call that a trend. That's one data point. In 2021, we had another 6% decline. We're down 115 to 13% in terms of applicants to colleges. We've seen that the test taking, like the SAT and the ACT test, 
that test taking has also declined same amount, you know, about 10 to 15 percent, depending on the region you're in. We've also seen that the FISA app, not FISA, FISA, FAFSA, I think it is. It's the financial FAFSA. aid. Yeah, financial aid package that you, the, a student would fill out to try to get some money to go to college. Applications through the financial aid system have dropped 15%. And what we're seeing is that well, there's a dr- big drop. Which in the last two years, we've seen this 15, 10 to 15% drop, depending upon exactly where you get your numbers, in terms of people that are going to, uh, to post-sec- post-secondary, post-secondary education. Now, the, I was reading articles about this, and the, and the professors are all livid. They're like, oh, my God, we're going to have a nation of, of uneducated out there because they're not going anymore. Again, let's back up. Let's take a look at what's happening, okay? You have some degrees that require a post-secondary education. But, you know, look at what's happened to liberal arts and sciences. I think it's wonderful when people love the arts, and I love wonderful they love literature, and some people want to study that and get a degree. And that's fine. But what we're seeing is that every year for the last 40 years, liberal arts and science graduates have a smaller and smaller employment base. It's harder for them to immediately leave college and get a a good paying job. So what it's done is people have drifted into the, the programs like you, mechanical engineering or into business. Right. And I remember when I showed up for college, um, I, they gave me the thing. I said, what do you want to study? I said, drama. I thought I wanted to be an actor, right? Why not? I'm 18 years old. I'm looking through the classes I'm going to take, and I'm sitting there, I'm scratching my head and saying, I'm paying money to take these classes? And it kind of hit me like, if I want to go spend the money to go to college, and I want to put my, my energy into this, I need to learn something that's going to be very practical and very useful. And so I switched to electrical engineering, right? And and that was, that was 45, 50 years ago almost, right? And what I'm Driving back home to people, as I'm saying, I was thinking of it way back then, and it's certainly true today. And so the people are voting with their feet. They're telling us what kind of an education they want, and they're telling us how they want to get it. And they're saying, I don't want to apply to a four-year college. I don't want to go through that process of raising money. I don't want to have to drop $100,000 over four years to get a degree. And if it's a private college, it's that much a year or more to get a degree, right? They're saying, I don't want to be that far in debt when I get out of school. I want a different way. I want to involve myself in my education differently. Or perhaps what I want is a form of an education because I think I'm going to I'm going to live somewhere and I want to be in a manufacturing environment and I want to work at you know programming machines in a manufacturing environment programming robots building things because I love them Manny you're a mechanical engineer yeah. you can understand that passion not everybody sure. needs you know I mean, as a degree engineer you can go into a factory and you can you know figure out how to make things um, more efficient. But you also know that you're working around people that are very, very talented people, very, very smart people. They're given some education in programming, given some mathematical skills, given some uh, uh, production operation management technology techniques. They can do great work without a four-year degree, right? It's, right. We've locked into what we call a traditional, and I'm using air quotes on that and very, very strongly because it's only traditional because it fit a previous era. It doesn't clearly as strongly fit the era of today. Do you remember what Prince Charles said? Uh, I mentioned this, uh, I don't know when it was, uh, maybe a month or so ago. Prince Charles, about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, said something that was very polarizing, and he got a lot of flack for it. And he basically, I'm going to paraphrase, he says, look, it's okay if you're going uh, to be a plumber or electrician or a, 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 a garbage collector, because we need that. 
Not everybody needs to go to, to, to college. And I, I mean, my thought is like, yeah, bravo, you know, well said. But a lot of people were outraged because they were uh, saying that essentially he was discounting the, the need or the value of education. And yeah. it created this, you know, this horrible outrage for the what I thought was a very nice thing to say that, he, yeah, we need plumbers, we need electricians, we the, uh, you know, blue collar is has a sort of bad rap. And I feel the opposite. I think uh, blue collar is amazing work. I love it. I have friends that are, I have one friend in particular that was a, um, a uh, executive in, in a small startup. And he was growing it quickly. And he just had enough of it. And he went and became an electrician and he loves it. Uh, he does. His, I mean, he still wants to grow his business. Don't get me wrong, but it's just a different mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you could be a landscape architect or you could be in the trades. Uh, I had a, a, my oldest sister's husband was a brick mason, for example. That's a skill. Uh, being a carpenter is a skill. Uh, being a plumber is a skill. Electrician is a skill. These are skills that we need and people have jobs, but you're right. For a long time, there was a time when we were in an agrarian economy, you know, nine, 99 out of 100 people were busy making food. That was go back 135, 140 years ago. Well, we moved ahead with our society because agricultural production got much better. Productivity goes way up in agriculture. We don't have to have everybody making wheat anymore to, to live. Well, now we've started moving into, well, let's have nicer houses. And we moved into the industrial era. And, and people in the trades were looked up to. If you, you know, if you went through a three or four year apprenticeship and you learned how to be a printer or you learned how to be a brick mason, then people looked up to those, to those folks and said, hey, you know, you're a qualified person. And of course, every year we do more. Materials change in the trades. Um, the construction techniques change. The tools change. And so you have to keep up with that as you go forward. But you're right. There's a lot of people that would say, well, okay, if you don't have a four-year degree, then you're just not as good as I am. And I sit there and say, okay, let, let's, let's get off our high horse, folks, okay? Uh, there's a lot of people that make a lot of money that don't have a four-year degree. A lot of people very successful in life, like your grandmother, that don't have much of an education. Are you looking down on those people? Because if you are, that's a fool. Because those people have things to teach you. They can teach you as, just yeah. as much as anyone else can. So we shouldn't I think the thing about America was always supposed to be that you could rise to what you want it to be. And if what you want to do requires a lot of education, I think that's great. But if what you want to do doesn't require a lot of education or you need a different path, you don't just like I want an education, but I don't want to be one hundred thousand dollars in debt. So I'm going to space out my education over eight, nine years. Um, Again, not, no secret, I went to Wichita State University as an undergraduate. Wichita State, nine out of ten classes were taught either before 9 a.m. or after 5 p.m. Because they came on this idea back in the 60s of being what they called an urban campus. And they had no dorms. Everybody had to find an apartment. And what it was, it was assumed you had a job. It was assumed that you would get up and you would go to class in the morning and then go to a job and then go to a class at night. And that was, it worked out for me. I needed the money. I had a full-time job the whole time I was going to college. And I couldn't have pulled that off if I tried to go to Kansas University or Kansas State because I wouldn't have been able to have that job. And I would have had to be in classrooms in the daytime instead of at nighttime, right? So this urban campus idea, which there are several of in the United States, Wichita State's not the only one, allows people to learn in a different way, at a different rate, you know? And they can come in and take, very few people graduated in four years at Wichita State because they were working full-time. So they would 
often take five or six years because they didn't had to t- cut back on their their class load for a little while. They couldn't handle 16 hours of credit hours a semester. They had to take nine to 12. So it takes a little longer to get done. And that's what we're seeing. People look down their nose at these graduates from Southern New Hampshire. Yeah. You know, they say, "Well, that's not a real diploma." And I'll be like, "Bullshit! That is a real diploma. It's as real as anything that you've got." And the point here is that: Are we learning? Are we trying to get ahead? Are we trying to make a difference? You know, I, you know, I've been working with a lot of people in the manufacturing sector for the last few years, and and people have an attitude. When I get out in the world, a lot of my peer group they have this attitude that if you work in a factory, you're a numbskull. Like somehow, people in factories stand on a concrete floor with a wrench and I guess put lug notes on a wheel or something. They have no idea that nobody does that. That's all roboticized today. The people who work in manufacturing today are working in clean environments, often you know, <laughs> dressed very nicely, and they're uh, they're man- they're programming robots. They're programming um, the, the machines that are doing the die cutting. I mean, this is all brain work. Just because it's called it's man- brain work, it's still brain work. And you and those people yeah. have to keep up because the technology improves. The, there's lots of advancements all the time. Productivity's getting ahead. And so to be good in manufacturing, you got to keep your eyes open and your brain working. Right, but do we? Yeah. The educational system we have today would look down upon that. And again, I think a part of that is because the requirement for a teacher is you have to have a four-year degree. And so the teacher stands up in front of the classroom, and her, his, or her position tends to be, "Oh, you should be looking to go get a four-year degree because I got a four-year degree." Not thinking about what's really going on in the world. Not thinking yeah. about what is it somebody really needs to know if they want to be successful. And then helping them to get the education at the rate they need to be successful. There's a, there's a maxim that I, I use. It's, it's not a very popular maxim unless you really think about it. And it catches people off guard. Okay, you ready for it? Yeah. So uh, it's said that in corporate America, A players or A student players, right? People that graduated with A's and went into corporate America. A players hire B players. B players hire C players. C players hire D players. And D players hire A players. (laughs) It's the idea that it's not always the grades that define the leadership. It's the it's the mindset that entrepreneurial mindset that it's the get or done mindset. It's the hey, I see a need and I'm going to solve it. And maybe I don't have that fancy four year degree, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. That's the Elon Musk of the world who who stood up a few years ago and said that he didn't care if people that were applying for his positions, engineering positions, even had a degree. And so that's really cutting across the grain of of this sort of uh, the stability of this institution that we call uh, advanced education or higher learning yeah. and it's going to change even more and you're you know we've talked about this a lot how um, a lot of these universities have a lot of prime real estate and they're sort of they're locked in to the, their ability to grow in the online space because they want to build classrooms you want to put bodies and you know butts on seats so to speak and that old way of doing business is uh, almost uh, out of the horizon here it is. It is. You know, we, we need to, you don't need a four-year degree person teaching every single class. The gig economy is for real. It's a third of the economy. It's almost going to be a half the economy probably by the year 2030. We should have more gig workers in the field of education. 
You know, if somebody's coming in to, you know, if you, you, we can start teaching kids as young as seven and eight years old how to do programming, right? So why aren't we using more people that have that skill set that work out in the world fixing computers, using technology, teaching some technology courseware online to the kids at home? So, you know, okay, I'm good at, at tech, this kind of technology or that kind of technology, biology, biological sciences. You know, there's all kinds of things that gig workers could be teaching. And the idea that we need a four-year degree person with a, that has a degree in education to be able to teach is, is just silly. If you, it's just kind of a silly notion. Yes, you do need some Very people silly. figuring out curriculum, right? And they should be evaluating curriculum. You should have some people that are looking over how the teachers operate. But why shouldn't a teacher have, for support, a lot of gig workers that are working out there you know, at an hourly rate supporting up the, the program of getting, you know, educating these students at ages at their own rate whenever they can be um, uh, educated, in other words, through mobile technology and an asynchronous program, and then allowing artificial intelligence to test what's going on and, and seeing are the students getting the education they need. We've got this technology today. It's just that the field of education tries to ignore it, pretend it doesn't exist, doesn't want to adopt it, doesn't want to use it, and it's really to everyone's it's everyone's detriment. Yeah, I agree. And you know what's what's good and interesting about Adam and I is that we're not only are we do we talk about uh, building the the house, so to speak, but we actually get our hands dirty. Both Adam <laughs> and I have our own consulting business. I also have this uh, medical device startup that I'm growing. So we're drinking our own Kool-Aid. And, and also that goes for our course. Our course is online, on demand. It is uh, these modules that were designed with uh, adult learning in, in mind. As adults, we learn differently. We don't learn this, the way that a 10-year-old learns. They can absorb it directly. For us that are maybe uh, past 25 years old, past 20 years old, we really uh, best learn by association. We relate something that we hear or look, that we see with something that we've actually experienced or already know. And we that and our minds, our neural networks map that to each other. So that's why stories for us just hit home versus just something from uh, from a theorem. And so our course is really, it's an action-packed uh, course that really uh, zeroes in on what it takes to take your business to the next level and really for the next week we have the the 497 price and so i really i really want people to understand that we are following our own uh advice we are drinking our own kool-aid our course is asynchronous mobile you can take the course on your phone while you're waiting at the bus stop to go to your gig job yeah and i think people should understand that it's built upon the 15 years that i've been doing this working with people and then i've been working with you now manny for three years so I, I, we sat down and we said, what is it, what's the process that clients go through? And one of the things that you'll find out that we built into the course is at the beginning, you're focused on trends, you're focused on the external world, and you'll start to accumulate this information. You get to a point where you start to apply it. And as you get to apply it, you'll say, wow, I wish I had done more in step one. And that's the beauty of the course. You go back and rework step one or step two. You can get them yeah. forward again. And then you say, wait a minute. Now, because the first time you try anything, you're not going to be perfect. So you get through the first few steps, and then you're, as you keep building, you start to say, wait a minute, I need a better foundation. You back up three steps and redo that step again. 
And what happens is it allows you to build up that really good expertise. And then, of course, if you're taking a course, you can always call us, right? We're always available to mentor people when they're in the program. And, I, you know, I don't know why people wouldn't want to take on 2022 and say, look, I'm going to be the best business person I possibly could. I want to lead my organization yeah. to rapid growth and not get stuck in those sort of paradigms like we've been griping about with the educational system. It's the same paradigm. It, it's all about uh, this mindset of uh, working in the business and not working on the business. You need to make time to work on your business. If you want to scale and go to the next level, it's not going to happen accidentally. It's very rare that you stumble upon something that will propel and elevate your company. I know of a company that, that actually that happened to them. They, were, uh, they make parts for cameras here locally, and they were doing pretty well. And then they did extremely well because they, they, they literally tripped on something that was a, uh, a trend. And then just as fast as they grew, when that thing was no longer a trend, they were decimated. They went from 20 to three employees. And if they would have uh, taken a course and would have been aware of, of uh, fringe competitors, they would have known that there was somebody in the horizon right around the corner that ended up taking them down. So I guess with that, I want you to, you know, everybody out there to think about how you're, how are you learning and how are you really uh, applying what you've learned to your business? Anything else to say, Adam, before we sign off here? Thanks a lot. It's been a lot of fun, Manny. Let's go and get educated. Absolutely. Take care, Adam. Cheers. <laughs>